The focal point of biblical prophecy on the earth is in Israel, Jerusalem, and the temple area. Right now, this Hebrew nation is engaged in the country's largest military drills ever. They are coordinating the collective participation of the Army, Navy, Air Force, and civilian reserves. Meanwhile, Western governments are attempting to block the construction of Jewish buildings in the West Bank. Why? Because it will impede their proposed two-state solution. Here in America, the current administration is looking to hand over U.S. sovereignty to the World Health Organization when ruling on global medical emergencies such as plagues and infectious disease. This is but a tiny sampling of subjects covered in Modern Headlines meets Bible Prophecy, May 2022. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark Russick. You're watching and listening to the Russick Outlook. Thank you very much for joining. Today's topic, Monthly Headlines Meets Bible Prophecy, May 2022. Uh, This is part of a monthly series where we look around the world, what's going on, the events, wars, rumors of wars, uh, cultural engagements, things of that nature, and how that may or may not line up with Bible prophecy or things that were foretold, events that, that, that the Lord laid out that were to come. Uh, and because of his impeccable track record, it, it warrants our attention because we, it's, it's pretty obvious that we see things that are going around the world right now, even as we speak, uh, that, that should open up our eyes and should uh, get our attention more or less. So that's kind of the that, that that's the approach for this monthly series, um, and and listen on that note, if you like information like this or if you appreciate this, if you wouldn't mind, please hit the like and the subscribe button on whatever platform you're on. It really helps us move up and 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 gather the attention of the of the online gurus who who are running these platforms. We're on a whole bunch of different platforms, all the podcast listeners and and YouTube and Rumble and. Uh, we're on the social media. And again, I would ask if you do like it, share it with others or leave us a comment, you know, that, that you got something out of it or you disagree. And that's fine, please. By all means, uh, all opinions are always welcome. And, and last but not least, if you wouldn't mind, go to the Russick Outlook, join our email list. We just notify you of things to come, new events that are coming out. Uh, and, and I've mentioned this before, we've got some new things coming up with some uh, live streaming that'll be happening very shortly, as well as online Zoom presentations that we do and we we interact with you, the audience. So on that note, let's just get into this. And again, uh, this is called uh, Modern Headlines Meets Bible Prophecy, May 2022. Let me cut to the slide. Uh, so here again, you, you see kind of a montage of images of some things that we're going to be looking at. Uh, you see Xi Jinping, the uh, uh, leader of China, communist China. We're not going to break into a lot of that, but it does tie into who the man that you see on the right, Vladimir Putin, as so many know, is engaged in, in, in a war with the uh, nation of Ukraine. And I say that because there is a very uh, real partnership that happens between these two leaders. And you know that Xi Jinping is... is uh, paying close attention to what's going on, the positives and the negatives from their standpoint in terms of, uh, you know, are they achieving their goals or not? And why I say that too is because uh, of uh, 
his eyes and, and most just about all analysts, military analysts, intelligence analysts would agree that they are looking to uh, potentially invade Taiwan and uh, how the world reacts to what's going on in Ukraine could could impact and affect them. Uh, we're going to focus on Jerusalem, which is why you see the Western Wall there and the Temple of the Al-Asq Mosque. And, uh, and, and there's been a lot going on with the Supreme Court in the United States. We're going to touch on some major, major events with the World Health Organization that did not come to light until just a couple of weeks ago. Although there were deals that were happening behind the scenes uh, going back to January and then the World Economic Forum. These are part of the movers and shakers that are dictating what we see of, of what's going on in the world. Uh, so this is kind of what, you know, why I wanted to highlight this. But as always, I wanted to, um, you know, I, I, I say this a lot, and, and please bear with me. We really need to pay close attention to what's happening in Israel because the Bible lays it out. Uh, everything that is to come, including Jesus' own return, will be in the city of Jerusalem. So it, it, it's natural to keep our eyes fixed on it. And ironically, Jerusalem is known or means the city of peace, but it's been anything but that. But when Jesus returns, it will be the city of peace. Uh, there, there will be uh, under his um, guidance and leadership. And uh, that, that day is, is, is coming and it's coming soon. So uh, on that note, if you just... If you think about it, I heard a minister say, you know, a lot of times when they talk politics and you talk about problems and, and, and upcoming elections and things like that, and they always say it's the economy, stupid, meaning as the economy goes, so goes the potential elections, so goes the flow or the feeling of the people and the, uh, the aspirations or the, uh, where the votes may go. And, and when it comes to, and, and this is what the minister had said, and he goes, you know, when it comes to world events, it's about Jerusalem, stupid. And, and you know, not that, you know, people are stupid, but, it, you know, it's like if, if you take close attention to this tiny, tiny little city um, in, in comparison or how it is impacting the entire world, and Jesus foretold that it would. So, you know, that and alone, you know, should should kind of, you know, make your eyes open, particularly if you don't know the Lord, because this was foretold thousands of years ago. So let me just, you know, if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to cut, cut to a couple of brief scriptures here. Uh, Ezekiel 43, 5 through 9. Then the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner courtyard, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And I heard someone speaking to me from, from behind within the temple, while the man who had been measuring stood beside me. The Lord said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place where I will rest my feet. I will live here forever among the people of Israel. They and their kings will not defile my holy name any longer by their adulterous worship of other gods or by honoring the relics of their kings who have died. I will live among them forever. And if the Lord is saying I will live among them forever, forever is forever. So that time. Uh, let's see, we know in a conversation when uh, Jesus was talking about the end times and his disciples were asking him what will be the signs, and Jesus promised that Jerusalem would, Jerusalem would be trampled by the Gentiles until the period of the Gentiles comes to an end. 
and it was trampled down, and, and, and we know how the temple itself came to a, a pile of rubble. You can go there and you can see that with your own eyes today. Uh, and the time of the Gentiles, it, it appears, is, you know, coming to an end. Zechariah 12, 2 through 3, I will make Jerusalem like an intoxicating drink that makes the nearby nations stagger when they send their armies to besiege Jerusalem. On that day, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. All of the nations will gather against it to try to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. So this is a foreshadow of, of, of what is to come in the, in the time of the tribulation. Psalm 122.6 tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, again, the city of peace, but we should know true peace won't come to this beautiful ancient city until Jesus returns in its glory, in his glory. Only then uh, she will know the true eternal peace of the millennial kingdom. So, you know, all of that saying the focal point is Jerusalem. Lord saying, this is my place, this is my home, this is my footstool, this is where I will live and reign forevermore, which is why it is such a contentious uh, uh, piece of geography, if you will, where the, the nations are fighting against it or fighting for it. And, and you know, again, it's, it's just, you know, it's so obvious. So I would say it's about Jerusalem, stupid. I hate saying that word stupid, but yeah, I, I hope you get the idea. So, you know, what's going on in the world around Jerusalem? I mentioned this last month at the beginning of the month that there would be, or I uh, I, I, I guesstimated that there would be a lot of tensions because you had the three major religions, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, all having their holidays or their sacred um, days all at the same time, and then how that impacts Jerusalem. You had Ramadan, uh, the, the, uh, Jew, the Jewish festivals, the spring festivals, and then you had... Um, for Christians, Easter or uh, Resurrection Sunday and Good Friday. So you had clashes that were breaking out in, in the Temple Mount during this time. Um, there are videos, there are pictures. I'm not just saying this. Uh, this was provoked. This was intentional. This was to, it was to, you know, kind of take advantage of the time, take advantage of the world's attention to this matter and you, so you have these proxies from Iran and, and, and in the uh, Gaza Strip that, that are attempting to instigate the, the Jewish people, instigate the Israelis, and, and say, hey, this is, you know, this is holy land. But yet you can see in these videos, they're defiling the temple from their own standpoint. They're defile, defiling the mosque where they're building up rocks and arms and, and Molotov cocktails and, and they're, you know, they're playing soccer and, you know, in, in, in between. And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying it just as, as a matter of recourse, but this is captured on, on video. This is captured in, in, in images. So, you know, but they try to present it as the Israelis and the Jewish people as being the great instigators. They're the ones who quote-unquote, started it. It's kind of like a, you know, a schoolyard bu a bully or somebody saying, well, he started the fight, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, something else that they did, they blared rocket sirens. So, in other words, they were making it, they were trying to simulate that the 
um, that the Jewish people and the Israelis were about to bomb the mosque. And, and you know, again, and, and, and as, as a means or a mechanism of, of heightening tensions. Let me show you some more images. Uh, let's see. So uh, Israel strikes targets in the Gaza following rocket fire. So, you know, a simulation of or a, a replication, I should say, of what we had last year at this time, where you had that war break out uh, from, from Gaza into Israel, Iron Dome intercepting rockets just as they did last year. So, you know, a year later, they're, they're kind of back at it again, not to the point that they did earlier, but... Um, the Israeli Defense Force, or the IDF, arrested, arrested Palestinians, Palestinians, excuse me, suspected of aiding Elad and Ariel terrorists. Um, again, the IDF operating throughout the West Bank, um, and, and they captured two known or suspected terrorists, I should say. Uh, and, and they also arrested suspects in Balata, Ida, Bayat, Al-Wahila, Bilim, Azun, Kina, and Hizma overnight. In all total, there were 15 suspects. Um, hopefully, I did, I did okay on the pronunciation of that. You had clashes between Arabs and right-wing activists uh, throughout this whole month. Again, there was the escalation of it. Um, Iranian proxies were heavily involved in, in moving this because the tensions were there, the world was there. So remember, Iran, you know, is, is dedicated to the destruction of Israel, wants to wipe it off the face of the map, and you have um, uh, uh, proxies or, or, or their brigades, if you will, in Syria, in, in, uh, in Lebanon, and they're in, you know, they're, they're funneling funds and, and, and munition in, into the Gaza Strip. So they're trying to work with the Palestinians. And I say that because it's interesting. You have um, uh, Sunnis and Shias. You know, usually they're kind of, they are major, uh, majorly at, at odds with one another. Um, but, but here, you know, the, the end justifies the means because the common enemy of Israel uh, because of the violence, Jordan summons the Israeli ambassador uh, back, and he condemns Israel. And again, you know, here um, you you have Jordan has jurisdiction, you know, legal jurisdiction that they were given by the Israelis after the '67 uh, uh, Six Day War. So they're they're in charge of of of, of working, you know, or governing that and trying to maintain security and peace. You know, and they met and pushed for before April, you know, knowing these holidays were coming, that they anticipated a lot of tensions. But some of that, I would say, you know, when they do that, those condemnations, it could also be for show. In, in other words, to show that their people that they're sticking up. The other problem is you not a problem. It is a problem. It's, it's horrible. Um, you had a Arab journalist that was killed. Yeah, while covering the war, covering what was going on in Gaza. So that naturally contributes and escalates the tensions. And, you know, naturally, uh, um, many of the Palestinians are blaming Israel and the Israeli Defense Force for this. Um, I don't know a lot of the particulars, the, the limited amount of uh, information that I saw um, was that it was you know, wrong, you know, wrong place, wrong time in covering the war. And these are part of the casualties of war. As media and reporters do, they know when they go out, you know, the, the, they're, they're in dangerous areas. We're seeing 
uh, reporters that have been some, you know, were, were killed while covering Russia and Ukraine and what's going on over there. So it's similar, but, you know, you, you know, people are pointing fingers. Here's something very interesting. Um, the IDF opened the largest training drill in Israeli history. It's called Chariots of Fire. It's taking place one year after the uh, uh, it was postponed a year ago because of the, what was going on in, in Gaza. Uh, thousands of soldiers and uh, reservists will take part in the drill, and it takes part throughout the month of May. It includes the Air Force, the Navy, regular forces, uh, and again, the reserves. It is a four-week four drill. It simulates a multi-front and multi-dimensional war against Israel's enemies in the air, sea, land, and cyber attacks. There won't be a unit that does not take part in this drill, said the IDF spokesman, Brigadier General Iran Kohav. The goal of the drill is to improve the readiness of the entire military and examine the ability of the troops to carry out powerful and prolonged campaign against enemy forces. It will also reveal logistics and firepower issues that soldiers might face in war. Another image on the right, top IDF drone fell into Syrian territory while conducting routine operations. You know, things like this, people don't, I don't think you realize um, just how close we could be to escalating into, you know, regional potential world wars. You've got Russian military, Iranian military, Turkish military on the border. You've got Iranian proxies on the border in Syria, northern border of Israel, and then uh, Iranian proxies there, and, and as well as in Lebanon. Um, and then here, naturally, in northern Israel, the military is conducting drills, as they should. Um, and then something like this, they lose the drone. You don't know what that could tick off or start. Uh, four soldiers were killed in an alleged Israeli airstrike near Damascus. So a lot going on, a lot of tensions, a lot of brewing. And people may say, well, it's Israel. It's that part of the country, that part of the world. It happens. And it's, it's happening more and more. And there is an end game as far as many of Israel's enemies. So, you know, it, I, I would say it, it, it's certainly worth watching. Here's something else that's worth watching, in my opinion, is what I view as anti-Semitism or, you know, the people of the world coming against Israel. United States, and this is in mid-May, you know, right now, and European nations tell Israel do not build new West Bank housing units. This is part of their territory, their nation, Israeli nations. And these countries are saying, don't do this, including America, putting a lot of pressure on the Israeli government not to do this. This inhibits or, uh, or gets in the way of their proposed two-state solution, which will never work. But, you know, as Christians, and, and, you know, you watch 46 and 44 for that part, you know, they were very much trying to squeeze Israel. Uh, Biden, you see in this picture, also assures Abdullah, this is King Abdullah of Jordan, that the U.S. recognizes Jordan as the custodian of the holy places. And, you know, they, they consider that not only the, uh, the mosque and the Temple Mount, but also East Jerusalem. They're pushing to divide Jerusalem again, which we know will never work. 
Um, I show you here on the bottom uh, an article in the Jerusalem Post. Israel needs to get ready for Russia-style sanctions. Uh, their support, like that which they received uh, from the Biden administration during last year's war in Gaza, cannot be taken for granted anymore. And a lot of this has to do with, hey, if you play nice and if you don't do these or build these uh, West Bank buildings, maybe we'll give you more money. You know, it's, it's that give and take. And now you throw Russia into the equation, you condemn Russia, and they're, you know, they have some agreements, some military agreements about the border of, of Syria. And you know, here I show you a picture of Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, and he's warning Israel, you know, your involvement and your support of the Ukrainians now um, gets in the way of, of relations there, so much so that you know, they came out last month and said, we no longer support your right to um, uh, uh, the Golan Heights, which is northern Israel, which strategically they must have, otherwise they're sitting ducks, and they, and they got that in the Six-Day War. So I'm going to switch gears now. So you see what's going on, you know, a, a lot of what's happening right now in Israel. And again, we foretold this uh, in early April, the end of March, and many people saw this. It's not... It, it, it shouldn't. It didn't come as a huge revelation. Oh my gosh! But it's going to get worse. You know, the, these are just signs of things to get worse. I want to switch gears to what happened with the um, uh, United States and, and the Roe v. Wade and, and the case that happened in, in Mississippi. Uh, a a premature note to release. Uh, um, what happens is the Supreme Court. They, they go through their drafts, they go through their uh, rulings and potential rulings, and they, they exchange. And this is common knowledge, and it goes you know back and forth. So they had a draft opinion, supposedly by the majority, that this case in Mississippi that came up would take abortion away from the federal government and would release it to the state government. And the state would have the right to accept or reject abortions, and again, their standards, whether it's uh, 12 weeks, 15 weeks, or, or not at all. It's up to the states. And if you go back to the, the Constitution, and that's really, you know, what you would want. You would want the people of those states to decide. So, number one, those saying that they're getting rid of abortion, it, it, it's the furthest thing from the truth. I wish it was the truth, um, but the states will, ha if, if this opinion goes through, the way, the way it was written by Chief, not Chief Justice, Justice Alito, uh, then that would mean that it would, it would go to the states. And again, many states, I happen to live in New York, very liberal state. I, I hate even saying the word liberal. It's, liberalism's gone as far as I'm concerned. Um, but you, 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 you get the idea that you can have it in New York, California, many uh, northeastern states, Massachusetts, um, I, I would imagine Vermont, and probably Maine, and so forth and so on. Um, so what happened was you had an intentional release of this document before the decision was even rendered, and it was intentional to cause divisiveness. So there were people within the Democrats' um, jurisdiction or hierarchy who said, yeah, let's do this, let's release this, let's get this out there because it can inflame tensions, it can 
you know, kind of get people off of their, their failed policies and, and onto this. And again, meant to cause the decision, derision, division, um, and it succeeded. And, you know, that's, that, that's the playbook. It was, you know, pit person against person, enemy, you know, uh, and with lies. And, you know, mo- most of it is with lies. So let me, let me gather this. And, and again, this decision has not yet come down. It's not beneficial, but it's certainly meant to rile up the base of the left and to um, cause potentially, you know, a change in the decision-making process of the judges who, who ruled in favor of, of, of the state of Mississippi. Um, I, I give you some things that are happening. Um, abortion rights protesters stood outside the Supreme Court holding signs that said abortion is a human right. Atlanta demonstrators carried signs in favor of abortion rights as they marched through the city's downtown. They chanted, not the church and not the state. Woman, women must decide our fate. Houston, thousands attended reproductive rallies headlined by Democrat Beto O'Rourke, who is running for Texas governor. Activist groups are still planning protests for the summer, um, especially in front of Catholic churches and other churches. Uh, They have also protested in front of the homes of the conservative Supreme Court justices. And, you know, this is what I like to say. Um, It's against the law. It's a violation of the law. You cannot protest uh, in, in any judge and in any situation, and for that matter, it could be a juror, it could be a member of the court in, in the uh, hopes of intimidating that person or persons. It is against the law. It, you know, it's on the books. I don't know what the number or the code of it is, but it is. It's a federal law. It's a federal offense. And what happened is 46 in his cohorts not only uh, allowed the release of this information prematurely to rile up their base and cause more division in this country, they are not enforcing the law. So what's happening now is these protesters are uh, rallying around people's homes. They release the addresses of the, uh, 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 of the judges who are supposedly um, leaning towards uh, um, uh, moving the, 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 this in favor of, of, of the state of Mississippi who bought this case. So imagine if you're a member of the court, your family lives there, your children lives there, and what's happening is 46 and his cohorts are allowing this to happen. They don't care. They don't care about the people. They don't care about the Supreme Court justices. God knows what could happen. And it's just so outrageous, so in your face, like we don't care what the law says because it justifies the means. And these people are already out and they're saying this is going to be a summer of rage. This is going to be a summer of violence that, you know, they're all up in arms and it's exactly what they wanted. So these people, even in the vast minority, but it's like the squeaky wheel gets, you know, gets the attention. It's 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 the same thing Um, as Christians. and, And what's interesting is they're targeting the churches. They're they're targeting because people are um for life, for the sanctity of life. These are human beings. These are children who are being slaughtered in the most grotesque and inhumane methods. And, you know, and it's been, it's been lost. So you can't say anything about that in that sense, but they've moved it further. They keep moving the goalposts. They keep ma- making it worse and worse. And by, what do I mean by that? 
Well, I'm going to ask this question, and I'm going to ask it twice. What happened to safe, legal, and rare? That's why abortion was initially put on the books, that we're just trying to make it safe. We just want to make it legal for the ones who who attend to, and these are only for rare occurrences. So if you go back to the early 70s, that's what happened. Now it's become, you know, a, a, a ritual of right standing. I wanted to point out, and you see some of the justices here, but I wanted to point out Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who has since uh, uh, passed away. She was a, quote-unquote, liberal of the court, hero of the left. She cited in the mid-'90s the, uh, um, the weakness of this ruling of Roe v. Wade, you know, that legally this is a, a, a case that would need to be retried uh, because it was not in good legal standing. So here, this hero of the left, they don't want to cite that. And, and you know, again, this is what, and, and it's not even official, but this is what happened. So this leaked Supreme Court document leads to the potential decision to end federally legalized abortion. Federal, not state. And kick it back to the states. Those who are pro-life are targeted by the pro-death crowd. Yes, it is pro-death. Crisis pregnancy centers that offer alternatives to abortion are often operated by Christians. They have now been vandalized and protested against. Churches across America, Catholic churches in particular, have been targeted with vandalism and protests because of their pro-life convictions. 46 is supposedly a Catholic, as well as your leader of the House, but they're silent about these attacks. His attorney general is allowing the laws to be broken because it supports their agenda. Now, uh, Mayor uh, Garland, who was the um, one that 44 tried to promote to the Supreme Court and, you know, coming near the end and, oh, he, you know, he, he, he's really uh, a moderate and this and that. If you think about it, this is the guy who put uh, parents who were um, trying to find out what was going on in their kids' education system he was escalating them to be terrorists. And now when he has this law on the books, he won't even protect the Supreme Court justices. They have a right to go in and stop these protests at the homes. You should absolutely be able to legally protest. You know, that's part of a staple of this country, but he will not enforce it. So this is the guy that 44 wanted in the Supreme Court and how the people were just outraged. You know, how could you not let this happen and blah, blah, blah. But you see what what a 44, what the type of individual 44 was trying to uh, uh, pull the wool over your eyes, so to speak. So I wanted to, this ties into something of where I am going of what's happening in this country. I heard a definition that really jumped out at me in terms of uh, Marxism. And I will say this, and I've said this for a long time. You know, the, the, a lot of what we see in this country and a lot of what the left is doing is Marxist. It's Marxist playbook. It's, it's, you can go back to, uh, to Karl Marx. You can go back to Saul Alinsky and his playbook and the Rules for Radicals. They are Marxist principles. This is the indoctrination of the kids in this country. This is what is going on. And then you have a, a staple of that being uh, cultural Marxism. And uh, there was a gentleman in the, I guess it was probably around the 60s, Whitaker Chambers. He was a former communist agent, came to this country, 
in the end, he winds up becoming a Christian and an American patriot and, and sides with um, of, of helping our government. And he said this. He said, Mark, uh, uh, let me cut to it. Marxism is the second oldest religion known to man. The first was when the serpent whispered to Eve, you shall be as gods. And that just jumped out at me because I see that's exactly what's going on today. This is the position of, of the church, of, the, of, of what's, or not the church, of uh, the, the people on the left. They're, again, liberalism is dead. And I would say it, I would phrase it like this, cultural Marxism. It is a profound human force or desire to believe that you know good and evil then once because you, you so in other words you're the one that knows good and evil you are the one who so when they you when you see this um uh pro-abortion right to life and uh, I'm, I'm sorry that right to our bodies and we know better than you we know better than you we we know what's good and we're going to dictate to you what that is and and so in other words they know good and evil and they're going to tell you what it is. And if you don't get in line, then you're going to get shut down. So they're telling you they know it better than, than the Lord Jesus. They know better than this, the foundations of this country. And, and, I can, I, and I've done this before. The, the success of this country lies so much in the fact of our Judeo-Christian principles. That's throughout the Constitution, throughout the Bill of Rights, throughout the early uh, writings of, of, of our founding fathers, and the fact that we're close to 250 years old and had the successes that we had, you know, is a testament to that foundation. And these people now, and it's really, it's a spiritual force, and this is my opinion, but I'm going to say it the way it is. It's spiritual wickedness attempting to break things down. So they're telling you we know better. And, you know, I go back to some of the images that I'm showing you. You know, Karl Marx on the right-hand side, in, in, and I believe that's in Europe, you know, they're celebrating him. You look at the, the residue of Marx and the millions of people that died because of it, you know, not only in, in some of Eastern Europe, but in Asia and China and North Korea. I mean, it's just horrendous. Venezuela, um, and then you see the, the tearing down of statues of what we've seen. They're trying to eliminate our, our history. They're trying to uh, redefine history. Because remember, you know, uh, they're, they're, they being the left, they're fighting oppression. They're fighting, to, you know, for democracy. It's all about redistribution of wealth and community building. And, uh, you know, America is a racist nation. It's a horrible nation. It's filled with white supremacy. You know, this is the, the, the point of what's going on, and it's pitting American against American. And, the, you know, who is the author of, of, of this division? Don't go too far. So, you know, and, and my opinion, you know, well, let me just show you this, too. If you're following me on video, just to go to show you how far and how revolting this, this is, and especially this abortion argument, there you see an image on the right-hand side of people who— um, protested in front of a church and they mocked aborting uh, that Mary and they were aborting Jesus. You know, this is, this is the, the despicable, reprehensible uh, level of, of, of gravity and depravity that, that these people have reached where they're celebrating, oh, you know, uh, aborting Jesus. So for all of you supposed left-leaning Christians, uh, 
And I don't mean this as, you know, Jesus is not a Democrat or a Republican or a conservative or a libertarian or any of that. There's problems in, in, in all of it. But we should be able to stand in the face of evil and to be silent and to wink at evil and, and just say, oh, well, you know, uh, it's, it's just, in my opinion, it, it's just so weak and so shallow that we as the church and as Americans, we need to stand up on what's right and what's wrong. It's, it's, it's really simple. And because, you know, we're silent, now our kids are being infiltrated. We see this with, with what's gone on in America in the past year and a half, two years. And the, because of COVID, we, we see all the things that are happening behind the scenes with the teachers unions and, and the stuff that they're pushing and, you know, uh, teaching six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds about sexuality and same-sex marriage and, and so forth and so on when kids should be playing. You know, you're a six-year-old. Go play with your friend. It's, uh, it, 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 it's just, you know, this is this is the the point I think of what we're what we're reaching, and I think, you know, it's it's a telling point. It's 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 coming together. It's a, it's a clash. It's going to happen um, because people and thank God people are standing up. Thank God for the parents who have the moxie to care about their children and the stuff that these children are being indoctrinated with. And, you know, there are some who just want to turn a blind eye and there are some who are very comfortable with letting the government teach them whatever they want and them walking away and, and quite honestly, you know, being lazy about it, uh, you know, what, what is being taught to their, to their kids. Um, let me go on to the next topic. Sorry, and I, I apologize. I don't apologize. That's my soapbox. What can I tell you? Um, U.S. is now fa facing baby formula shortages. Uh, stores like CVS and Walgreens are limiting purchases of formula. Uh, experts say the shortage isn't even close to being over. 20% um, of infants receive formula supplementation during the first two days of life. According to the New York Times, parents have responded to the shortage by stockpiling formula, making their own formula at home a risky method that can lead to nutritional de deficiencies and other health complications. I say in the bottom here in the highlight, I am reminded of the words of Jesus in Matthew 24 about the end times. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. I'm not saying that we're there, but it kind of gives you an idea. He was speaking about the middle of the, uh, the, the, the middle of the tribulation, the heartache of the tribulation. And we're not seeing that now, but you know, could this be a sign of, uh, of some things to come? I don't know. I mean, it's possible. It, it just gives you an idea. Um, and, and it can happen like that. It happens that quickly. Let me show you this slide. Um, this is actually going to happen tonight. I don't know whether this means anything or not, but America throughout the entire United States is going to see what they call a blood red moon. Uh, the entire eclipse will last over five hours starting at nine o'clock. It actually started last night. I'm sorry. Uh, and in and, and through Monday, and today is Monday, May 16th, as I'm recording this. Um, the total uh, phase of the eclipse, when the moon changes color, will only last about an hour and a half. Uh, so I just find it interesting, and I'm just going to point out what uh, two scriptures say. Joel 2.31, um, the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Matthew 24.29, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So clearly he's talking about the tribulation. 
But again, there's signs of things to come. And is this an ominous sign for America, given its, um, its, its recent history? I don't know. I'm not saying it is. Um, it's possible. It's, you know, it's possible. I, I'd keep an eye on it. Uh, let's switch gears for a second over to Ukraine and Russia, which is still, you know, an absolute travesty of what's going on. Um, God bless these brave Ukrainian uh, men and women um, fighting for their land, fighting for their hearts, fighting for their nation. What a courageous people. Um, so let me let me just kind of give you what's happening. Let me give you the map. So there are two two different reports. If you listen to the West, they're saying that you know the Ukraine is is overcoming a lot of the odds and doing what they need to do. If you look at the map, it looks like uh, Russia is gaining ground in in the eastern portion um, in in Luhansk and and uh, um, Donetsk. Uh, which is really what they wanted going down to the East Coast. Uh, so ultimately, you know, it looks like they want the coastal um, uh, claims or they want control of the Black Sea and the coastal regions. It also really hampers the Ukrainian economy if they cannot get um, their imports and exports through there. Uh, so they're trying to move west from and you see Crimea, and I'm sure you're you know you're aware of 2014 how they took over that. Um, so they're they're trying to move west along the coastline. They've tried into uh, Odessa and, and other cities. They've had some moderate success. Then they the, the Ukrainians you know were able to overcome it. Um, so you know all I can say is I I, I and for me personally I'm a little bit shy about saying the Ukrainians have got this or winning or whatnot. Um, Russia's endgame appears to be control of that eastern border and into the, the coastline. Um, I'm sure they, they, you know, had aspirations of, of, uh, of getting uh, Kiev and, and, and the capital, and that didn't work out. But I just wouldn't be, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant because of the reports and the things that I see in the West and propaganda, quite honest. So I'm 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 just kind of watching and and with, with, with open eyes and praying, absolutely praying for the peace and the safety of these uh, wonderful people in Ukraine and Russia. You know, a lot of the citizens in Russia they didn't ask for this; this was thrust upon them. Um, but as a result, what's happening now? Finland tells Putin that his country is applying for NATO. Sweden is also doing the same. So what happened? This on the same day that they told him that Putin cut off the electricity to um, uh, to Finland. Uh, then you have Turkey's president uh, Erdogan opposing letting Finland and Sweden into NATO, at least for now, getting getting that out there. And they have that ability. The 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 member states have the ability to shut it down. It has to be by unanimous consent that uh, you're allowed to enter into NATO. So what, what happens, I don't know, but I'm just kind of pointing out um, some of those other um, nations that were noncommittal in the past are seeing what's going on. Now they want to join with NATO. And then you've got Erdogan who, you know, one foot in, one foot out, you know, here, here's, you just don't know what to, what to make with that. So Turkey's a, I, I said this a couple of months ago, 
uh, turkey is an interesting fly in the ointment because uh, you don't know, you know, whether they're siding with Russia, whether they're siding with the West. Uh, they, they, they play both ends of the, of, of the game, I guess I would say. Uh, we just signed, we, the United States, just signed a uh, deal for $40 billion to be sent uh, over to the, to the Ukraine. So, you know, where we're getting all this money, I don't know. We're, we're shipping arms, a lot of our military, and, and I, I just as a citizen, you know, I'm concerned about that. Do we really have this much surplus that we can ship over? Is it being replenished? I, because of what I saw with 44 and how I saw how we left Afghanistan with 46, I am highly suspicious. Uh, I think this potentially would put us into um, another extremely um, uncomfortable predicament, and I say by design. I think uh, there's no question in my mind's eye the way way we handled Afghanistan was not only incompetence, it was by design. You can't be that stupid that you leave $80 billion worth of uh, military equipment over there, that you would shut the military air base there, and you would bring the military home before the civilians. And you still have people that are locked in over there. They won't talk about it uh, in the media over here, but we still have Americans that were left behind in enemy lines, thanks to 46 and the, and the people who are running that administration. Um, WHO, this is something that should con- concern everybody in the world. Uh, they have a vote that threatens U.S. sovereignty in May 2022. In Geneva, Switzerland, the governing body, all nations of the earth, uh, they are looking for them to cede their sovereignty about global health problems. Uh, the decision-making authority in the U.S. supersedes our government, our Constitution. The 46th uh, administration um, worked this transaction out in on January 18th, but it did not become public knowledge until April 26th. So what that means is, you know, you, you have everything that we're dealing with with COVID, and if the World Health Organization designates that centers or populations or geographical areas needs to be shut down, needs to have uh, um, shots or boosters or whatever you want to call it, they now have authority that supersedes American sovereignty or other government sovereignty. Um, Canada, the UK, the European Union, Australia, and over 40 additional nations are, supp- are supposedly signing on for this. This is not yet official, but, um, you know, it's in the works. It's in the works. So this should concern anybody and everybody because our 46 and, and the cohorts that, that run that administration, and you bet Joe doesn't, um, they are, they're sinking us. That's, that's all I can say. And it's all about the push to the global government Uh, which is really what I want to kind of cite here right now. I've talked about this before. World Health Organization, it's in cahoots with the World Economic Forum and other agencies, and it's it's all about promoting uh, a a global government. So I want to just talk, mention a few things that are happening um, with the World Economic Forum. This is what they call the Davos crowd. They meet, and they're meeting in May. Um, uh, many of the leaders of, of corporations and, and uh, political uh, administrations from around the world. And I will say that um, you see this 
the, the merging of businesses, large corporations, technology, merging with governments. It's a play for power. They're working together. They're working in, in cahoots with one another. Um, and in terms of achieving their goals, it's a smart move. It's absolutely a smart move. But the little guy underneath is the one who's getting squeezed. So Klaus Schwab, who I've talked about before, part of the Great Reset, um, and, and I think Christians really, you know, and people in general, whether you're Christian or not, uh, you know, they need, you need to be aware of, of what's going on um, and what the plans are. So uh, in 2017, Klaus Schwab, who is the head of, of the World Economic Forum, uh, we are very pr- what we are very proud of is that we penetrate the global cabinets of, com- of countries with our young global leaders. I just wanted to point out some of these potentially young global leaders. We know that um, uh, the, the president of Canada, Trudeau, you see here, uh, recently re-elected Macron in, in France, and in Zelensky was a member or is a member of the World Economic Forum. You certainly, I don't know what that means in terms of you know, what he's dealing with and going with now, but he was siding with one of them. I give you the symbol of the World Health Organization underneath it. Um, so who are these people? Uh, they are currently 100 full members or strategic partners. They are drawn from the largest corporations in the world together with their owners and managers, referred to as the Davos man or the Davos. So if you're um, a, a full-fledged member, they call you the Davos man. Uh, It's a list of corporations, owners, and managers who control this. They are not disclosed memberships, uh, but they can be inferred uh, indirectly. However, WEF members do not act alone. They have developed various groups of globally distributed trainees who generally act in accordance with the detailed policies and positions um, uh, developed and distributed by their leadership. These training programs have been operating for over three decades. It's not really too far, you know, 90s through current day today, resulting in placement, distribution, and rapid advancement of many thousands of uh, WEF-trained operatives throughout the world. Uh, Chairman Klaus Schwab famously claimed these operatives have been strategically inserted into key positions in various governments, as well as influential spots in key industries, such as media, finance, and technology. The Davos man is a term coined by uh, former Harvard University director of the Center for International Affairs, Samuel Huntington. He defined the emerging group of economic elites who are members of a social caste, which has little need for national loyalty, view national boundaries as obstacles that are thankfully vanishing, and see national governments as residues from the past whose only useful function is to facilitate the elite's Global Operations. Uh, he has titled a 2004 article, and, it's, and basically it's saying, uh, Dead Souls, the Denationalization of America and the Elite. Uh, let me continue a little bit here. This organization has masterminded the globally harmonized planning, development, and implementation of the lockdowns, the mandates, the vaccine campaigns, the suppression of early treatment options. Remember all the doctors and uh, nurses that were shut down when they saying, we wait, we, we have other methods of fighting this. They didn't, they censored you. Uh, the global targeting of the censoring uh, physicians, propaganda, information, 
thought controls, programs, and, you know, I think most people are aware of this, or at least if you have an open mind, you're aware of this. Uh, I cite over here John Kerry. You know, if you see him today, the guy's embarrassing. I mean, he's an absolute embarrassment. Through all of what's going on, his whole focus and agenda with this whole global climate, and, and, and you know, it's a big con game. And, and they try to tug on your heartstrings, and they know better, and it's all about control. It's all about power and control. This is what they want to do. This is their end game. So to see him go and, and, and say, well, you know, I hope Putin really understands the magnitude and gets in, you know, kind of follows uh, what we're doing here for, for, for the global climate. And, oh, it's, 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 again, for me anyway, when I hear him, it's worse than the, the stereotype of the used car salesman. When I hear John Kerry, I want to take a bath. That's how bad he is. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's absolutely embarrassing. Um, these people have been trained to believe and support a globalist form of unelected government in which business is at the center of the management and the decision-making process. They have been trained to advance the interests of a global transitional government, which represents a public-private partnership in which the business interests of the members take precedence over the Constitution of the United States. They believe that their concept of independent nation-states is now obsolete, and it must be replaced with a global government that controls all. Their objective is to get this in place by 2030. It's right out there. It's on their websites. They're, they're not hiding it anymore. You can see it if you, you know, with your own eyes if, if you want to look. Last, I'm just going to close with uh, our, the Elon Musk, who is... You know, they're, they're championing him as this, this wonderful hero of free speech. And, you know, just because he may or may not be buying Twitter and, and you know, releasing platforms. And, you know, let me say this, that I think it's wonderful. And when if we're celebrating, oh, my God, free speech is back. Just think how far we came. Free speech is a foundation of this country. But yet when they wanted to censor or, or, or stop or prohibit platforms such as the president of the United States shutting down his platform and people celebrating it like that's something to be celebrated. So in other words, if you have a, a opinion of dissent, they're saying, well, we can shut we can shut you down. That's how far we've come that fast. Liberalism used to celebrate free speech, used to celebrate exchange of ideas, used to celebrate things that even if you, you agreed to disagree, so to speak. Now that's, that, that's all gone. And if you don't agree with them, and it goes back to the definition of cultural Marxism, they know better. They know better than you. They know right and evil. They know that this person should not have a platform. And so the left was freaking out that Elon Musk would open this up and how dare he and we need control. We need to to um, to allow what goes on in the airwaves to what goes on into your mind, your eyes, your ears. We want to control that. And that alone, you know, should alert you whether you lean left or lean right or your 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 center. That's the point of what we have come. This is why I do things like this on a monthly basis to show you how quickly and how rapidly this stuff is coming down the pike and it's coming in your face. And 
unfortunately, in my opinion, from my vantage point of what I've seen, the church, for the most part, not all, there's been great churches who, you know, who are kind of pointing things out and, and speaking and teaching on, on the Word of God and prophecy, as well as the message of, you know, salvation and evangelism and healing. Um, but there's church, most churches, they don't want to hear this. Um, and, and, and I don't know why I got off to, uh, on, on this tangent, but my point is they're coming after the church. They want to shut the church down. So it would be nice if the church had some guts and spoke up, you know, in the face of evil. But my point with Musk is he's, this is the same guy that wants to put a chip in your brain. This is the same guy that, that, that says it's like a Fitbit in your brain. So, you know, my opinion, oh, fat fingered. My opinion is, you know, just keep an eye out. Just, you know, it, it, it's not always what you think it may be, you know, in front of you. So, um, I, again, that's just my opinion. So uh, I will, on that note, close this down and say thank you very much for your time. Uh, questions, comments, always email russicoutlook at gmail.com. Uh, happy to engage. And uh, I just want to thank you again for your time. Uh, this is, my name is Mark Russick. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. And remember, as always, just my opinion.